The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio. This is the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. Good evening. Simply go to uh, employmentlawyer.ca, but here and now, get some information, get smart, get educated about your employment law rights. How do you do that? The same way you've been doing for eight years. We'll also get to the topic of reprisals. What are they? Getting punished for standing up for your rights. That doesn't sound right. So we're going to uh, tackle that one as well. Us, you know, We try to get some emails throughout the show as well. You want to send one along, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Lots of stuff to get through, so we'll get it rolling. Pal, week that was... What is going on with you? Hey, John. Uh, really, really busy actually this week. Uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, can't believe we're past the hump day. It's uh, it's been a bit of a whirlwind for me, but that's okay. I, I like it that way. I like to interact with as many people as possible. And today, for example, my gosh, from uh, from the day I, uh, the moment I connected online till about five minutes ago, I've been speaking with people, emailing with people, answering questions. That's great. Employment law issues are have never been more important. Have never affected more people. So please take advantage of the fact that we are here live for only one purpose, to answer questions. And, well, more than one purpose, answer questions, solve problems, help you. All those purposes uh, are, are really why we're here now. So if you're facing a difficult situation now, maybe it's COVID-19 related, your job is in jeopardy, your hours have changed, your pay has been reduced, whatever it is, I promise you there's a path out of the trouble, out of the problem. Now, uh, if you want to talk to me privately, of course, throughout the show, we'll give you my contact information. We can have that private chat. But let me start uh, telling you some of the things I've been uh, involved with or dealing with Mm -hmm. this week. Uh, I spoke yesterday with uh, a lady who uh, was diagnosed recently with a fairly serious uh, uh, physical condition, uh, a, a back issue. And uh, because of that, and as she was awaiting surgery, she wanted to, uh, or her doctor told her, she needed to reduce her days of work. So from five days a week to three days a week. She spoke to her employer and she said, I can get you a doctor's note if you need to, but you know, surgery is going to be a while because of COVID-19. Surgeries have been postponed. So for the next X number of months, I'm going to need to work three days a week. Her employer said, okay, leave it with us. We'll get back to you. Well, they got back to her a few days later, and they say, well, to, to, any, to do that, you'd have to resign, hmm. then reapply for a three-day-a-week job, and then we'll consider your application and decide what to do at that point. That didn't sound very correct to her. So, of course, she called me, and we had that chat yesterday, and, and here's what I told her. What I told her is this. Her employer has to accommodate her. Absolutely. She has a medical condition. It's legitimate. She has that doctor's note to back it up. If her employer is capable of accommodating her, of giving her those three days, they have to. They can't impose conditions. Resigning is nonsense. She's not resigning. She simply needs to be accommodated. Under our human rights code, an employer has that very strict duty to accommodate. And if they don't, that's a human rights violation. That can also be considered a termination, a wrongful dismissal. So this employer is wrong. Now, what we've agreed here is that I'm going to get involved and I'm going to send a letter saying, 
you have this obligation to accommodate. Let's cut the nonsense. Let's yeah, accommodate yeah. her until she's able to get surgery and get back to work full time. And they'll back off and they'll do what they're supposed to. So a reminder, of course, to everyone there, if you do have a medical condition, if you need help from your employer, if you have your doctor supporting you, your employer has to provide that accommodation. Remember that. If that's what doesn't, if it doesn't happen, do what she did. Give me a call. That number you mentioned, Lior, I'm going to give it out now to reach Lior and a member of the firm, his crew, anytime we're not doing this radio show or any other, one 855 help at employmentlawyer.ca. What else is going on, brother? John, I spoke uh, actually earlier today, I actually corresponded through email with the lady. She's a, she's a grandmother, and her daughter and granddaughter live with her. Uh, and uh, right now, the granddaughter is off school and is going to be off school for a little while, of course, with the government of Ontario closing the schools. Her daughter, though, has to work. She has She's working for an essential service. She has to be physically at work. So what the grandmother wanted to know, what the grandmother asked me is, can or, or can she stay home? Can her uh, require? Can she require her employer to allow her to work from home because she needs to care for her granddaughter? So, uh, so that that's really the issue. So here's how this works. Right now, during the stay-at-home order, the answer is yes. You you can because your employer has to allow you to work from home if your job can be done from home. Now, once the stay-at-home order is uh, over. Unfortunately, she cannot require her employer to allow her to work from home. It would be different if it was her child that was at home, if she was the mother. But as the grandmother, there's actually no ability to require the employer, uh, you know, our human rights code, this duty to uh, accommodate based on family status, it applies to your child, it doesn't apply to your grandchild. So because of that, and in that situation, she can't require her employer to uh, to do that. Uh, and that's, of course, very frustrating. The mother is able to take time off. She could qualify for benefits. She, unfortunately, is not able to uh, to do that. So if you're in that situation, remember, if you are a parent, you can and, and can require your employer to allow you to work from home. Yeah, that's not going to be the last phone call or email you get of that nature, I would imagine, for the uh, for the next little while anyway. Gary... Thanks for standing by. Good evening. Yeah, it's uh, it's about my uh, my friend. She works at a grocery store. She's worked there for 21 years and has not received a raise in over five years. But yet other employees have received raises. Okay. okay. Uh, is she part of a union by any chance? I'm assuming no. No, no, she's not. So an employer is not legally obligated to provide pay raises unless there's a, a contract or an agreement in place to provide raises. Now, of course, that's completely unfair when other people are getting raises. That said, from a legal standpoint, if as long as they're not discriminating against her, they don't have to give her a raise. And what I mean by discriminating is they can't say, well, you're older, for example, so we're not going to give you a raise. Or you're, uh, you're a woman, so we're not going to give you a raise. We're only going to give raises to men. That's illegal. That's wrong. That's a human rights violation. But as long as it's not discrimination, they do not have to give her a raise as unfair as it is. Okay. Okay. Because I know... They just hired somebody, and they pay that person a dollar less than than uh, she gets, and that person's a student. 
Listen, I think she should absolutely speak to her employer and say exactly what you've been saying here. It's not fair. It's not right. I've been here all this time. I'll do a good job. But from a, a legal standpoint, can she force them to give raises? Unfortunately, she cannot. But speaking to her employer may well accomplish this. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, Gary. Appreciate the uh, phone call very much as well. You want to reach out to Lior any other time uh, to have a further conversation. Got you covered. one 855 821-5900 is the way to do that. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. I want to remind you as well, the, uh, the website pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Tons of employment law information up there. In fact, Leora always tells you to go there first, even before the phone call. Do some of your own uh, homework. Have a look at what the uh, website has to offer, including the severance pay calculator. That's a good one. And if uh, you're not satisfied, then, you know, top right corner, there's a way to reach out and get a hold of uh, one of the team there as well. But we'll get into this uh, before we break. Uh, Lior, reprisals, that is getting punished for standing up for your rights. In employment law, what is a reprisal? So think about it, John. It's nice to have rights, and it's nice to have laws and entitlements. But if you can't properly enforce your rights, those rights, rights become meaningless, right? So... If I have a certain right, but I'm afraid that if I try to enforce it, I get punished, I'm not going to enforce, I'm not gonna enforce that right, and then who cares if there's rights? Well, the law understands that, and because of that, we have a system in place that allows you to enforce your rights without the, the concern of being punished. So when an employer tries to penalize someone for enforcing their rights, we call that a reprisal. That's right. illegal, and an employer that does that could be liable to damages, potentially may have to reinstate an employee that it let go. So you have a right, and we'll give you some examples uh, when we get into some specifics, to enforce your rights, to stand up for your rights, to, ha- to ask questions of your employer about your rights, to make demands about your rights. You cannot be punished, penalized, fired, threatened. None of that can happen. That's what we call a reprisal. So uh, some common examples that you'd see, I guess, uh, weekly or uh, every couple of weeks in your firm? Uh, so thankfully, you know, employees understand that they have these, uh, th- these rights. And right. oftentimes what I see is people asking questions about overtime. Wait a second. I don't, you, you are not paying me overtime. You need to pay me overtime. Or you haven't calculated my statutory holiday pay properly. For, so if you... If you refuse to work for free, essentially, uh, and, and, and you want to pay, get paid your overtime, your employer has to pay you what's owed to you. And even if it's determined that, no, no, they calculated it correctly, you can't be let go, punished, or anything because you've made those demands. So you should always feel free and comfortable to ask questions and demand, for example, overtime. Another type of reprisal has to do with uh, a situation where you're being harassed or mistreated in the workplace. So you have the right to make that stop and, and or at least to demand that your employer make that stop. You have a right to demand that your employer investigate the harassment and takes measures uh, to make that uh, to make it go away. And you always know that you have this dome of protection around you that you cannot be penalized because you've made those inquiries. You're not going to be penalized because you told your employer I'm being harassed. So that's why you should feel free to stand up for yourself, for your safety. Workplace safety, by the way. If you're complaining about workplace safety, you cannot be punished in any way for that. That's a huge deal, especially these days with COVID-19. So those are just some examples, John, of how you can stand up for your rights without the fear of a reprisal, without the fear of being punished. 
Short uh, short break. We'll get right back into it again. Ask your questions. Get some answers. Help at employmentlawyer.ca as well. We're coming right back. Lots more. Employment Law Show is on the way. This is Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio. Welcome back to the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. Welcome back to it. We'd love to talk to you. You have questions about your employment. Uh, it could be COVID-related or otherwise. It doesn't matter. Every question's a good question. You're helping other people and educating everybody else who's listening as well. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. John, thank you for hanging on for a moment. Good evening. Howdy, boys. I just want to know, uh, how often does uh, a plaintiff end up losing a constructive dismissal case and having to pay the bill for court? Well, I mean, listen, that's like asking... Uh, how often is surgery successful? Well, it depends on the surgery. It depends on the doctor. It depends on the hospital. So, but you know, well, I, I can't answer that because I can tell you that in 20 years of doing this, I've never had a case where my client had to pay the other side's legal fees. I have an answer. Thanks. In 20 years. So hopefully yeah. that helps. That's a pretty quick one, I guess. There you go. So you, you take it where you can get it, I guess. Uh, talking about reprisal, uh, reprisals. So. Situation is you think you maybe owed something uh, over time, or you didn't get paid for an entire shift or a couple shifts. You know something's missing, and uh, it's you know it's wrong. It, it, the smell test it doesn't pass. What do you do? So here's where you have to know that asking the right questions and, and you know demanding that this thing be fixed is perfectly fine and allowed, and you can't be punished for it. So what do you do? You go speak to the right person. You're the boss. HR, the finance person, whoever the right person is in your company with your employer, you speak to them and you raise the issue and you tell them what's happening. I, By the way, John, I like for this to be in writing. I love there to be a, a record so that it's clear what you're saying and what you're not saying. Even if you go speak to someone verbally, I'd follow up with an email just to confirm so there's no questions about it. And, and it's okay, by the way, to be wrong. You may think, wait a second, they miscalculated my pay. They owe me more money. So I'm going to go with my boss and tell them they got to fix it. And they look into it and they come back to you and they say, no, no, look, it was actually correct. Okay, you're bad. You realize it was, it was actually fine all along. Even then, you cannot be punished. Just because you, you were not actually right doesn't mean the employer can say, well, now I'm upset that you questioned me. So I'm going to suspend you. I'm going to warn you. I'm going to let you go. No, your employer still cannot do that. You're fully protected if you raise concerns. You're fully protected if you complain, if you even make demands. That's okay. Now, I'm never suggesting you do that in a, a belligerent way and you know name-calling and, and accusations, but to say, I'm owed compensation, please pay me what I'm owed, or I'm uh, being mistreated, or you didn't pay me my statutory holiday pay. If all those things, if you raise them, you're fine, you're protected. The reprisal laws say you cannot be punished. 
Yeah, I think that's a good thing to remember. I think it might be one of the most important points to remember is the fact that even if you're wrong, like, oops, I screwed up, I did get my overtime, sorry, I didn't look under this rock, you can't be punished for it. So it's it's status quo as far as your employment is concerned, correct? People are, are afraid sometimes to be wrong because if I'm wrong, there may be repercussions. No, they, mm-hmm. they still cannot be. And you may you you won't always be right, and you can't put that pressure on yourself to to always be right or else. If you have a legitimate concern, even if it turns out to be wrong, you can raise it. You should raise it, and you cannot be punished. So if you move forward a bit, and you got an employee, they feel that they uh, they are being punished for standing up for their legal rights. It may not be as it's something as as drastic as getting fired or docked a couple weeks' pay or. Just something's not right. They think they're being punished some, somehow in the workplace for something they did or brought up, as you have said. What should they do? So first of all, it's always important to document what is it that, that's happening. Maybe you're being excluded from meetings or not treated properly. Maybe you're, you're being kind of put down or uh, bullied a bit. So let's have some sort of a record of that. Make some notes contemporaneously. Uh, you know, e- Email HR, for example, and say, here's what's happening. I'm concerned about that. Create that written record because once you're able to establish that, a number of things happen. Number one, reprisal laws that say you cannot be punished for raising issues means your employer may have to pay you damages for doing that. You also may be able to treat the situation as a constructive dismissal. So all those things are options. If you are fired, by the way, you could potentially get reinstated with back pay if you were fired because of a reprisal, because of the fact that you raised a concern or you were trying to stand up for your rights. So it's absolutely fine to document things. It's something that you have to do. And if you feel that you're being somehow mistreated, by the way, maybe it's because of a reprisal or for a different reason altogether. Always important to document, 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 document. If you do that, you will never go wrong and you'll put yourself in a better situation to deal with that problem when the time comes. Before we get into the concept of the non-compete, non-competition obligation, I want to get to a quick email that came in from Danielle. She says, hey, Lior, I quit my job because my employer owed me $4,000 of holiday pay and vacation pay. He refused to pay. I asked for payment many times, and he always promised, oh, yeah, he'll pay, but he never did. Is there something I can do to get what he owes me? Well, you know, this is a very common scenario where I'm asked an important question, but the individual might not realize that there's a bigger issue looming. Yep. So let, let's start with the, the actual question, which is, can you get your four, I guess, I guess $4,000 that she's owed? Absolutely. Uh, I can help you. Even the Ministry of Labor can help you get that. If you earn that income, your employer has to pay it. Full stop. There's no exceptions to that, whether it's overtime, whether it's vacation pay, wages, commissions. If there's money that's owing to your employer has to pay it. But there's a different issue here, probably a bigger issue. So if she quit because she's owed money, and I, I can't blame her. It's not comfortable to continue seeing your boss every day when he owes you thousands of dollars. Uh, that resignation in the eyes of the law is actually a constructive dismissal. So she resigned. She chose, that's it, I'm done, I can't take this anymore. The law views that as a termination. Because her employer was not doing what it was supposed to do, which is pay her the money that it owes her, in doing that, it's as if they let her go. So she now has the ability to treat this as a termination and get severance. Now, I don't know how long Danielle's been there and and exactly what she was doing and what her salary is, but that severance could potentially be as much as two years' pay. 
potentially a lot more than the 4000 that she's owed. So that's the bigger issue here, possibly. Now, for that, John, very important for Danielle to remember, and for all our listeners, to get her that severance. For that, she cannot contact the Ministry of Labor. Yeah. For that, she has to get legal advice. She has to speak with an employment lawyer like myself. That's the only option. To get the 4000 that's owed to her, yes, she can absolutely go to the Ministry of Labor. They can get that done quite effectively. To get her severance, anytime she's owed severance, anytime you are owed severance, for that you cannot go to the Ministry of Labor. Ministry of Labor can only enforce your minimum entitlements, not your full entitlements. For that, you have to call me. Non-competition obligation. We're going to rewind, I guess, in a way, all the way to the back when you first started your job. And if you had an employment agreement uh, slid across you on the table for you to sign, there might be this little sucker tucked in there, the non-compete, <laughs> non-competition obligation uh, what do we actually mean by that? What is it? So I think a lot of people have heard the term non-compete, non-competition. Mm-hmm. Essentially, that's a term in an employment agreement that says that if you leave your employer, regardless of why you leave or how you leave, you cannot go work for a competitor for a period of time. Maybe it's six months, maybe it's a year or two. So we call that a non-compete. Essentially, the employer, the current employer says, we don't want to want to have to worry that you're going to work for our competitor. So you, by accepting this job, you agree that you'll never work for our competitor if you leave us at least not for a period of time. Now, that could be very problematic, of course. If you work in that same industry for all these years and you sign that, and now you can't work in this industry for a year, that's a huge problem. That's why we want to give this topic some attention. Non-competes, that's what we were talking about. I, I, I know the, the landscape has changed, I mean, not only in the last year, of course, with uh, with COVID-19, but generally things have changed as far as this is concerned. And I want to move on to that here in a minute as far as how often you see these non-competes in employment agreements. First, uh, phone calls always top priority. Uh, Fostil, how are you? Good evening. Okay, good evening. I, I'll give you an example. I, uh, um, I had a, a job that I was supposed to do, and... Uh, I had two people asking to make, let me work for them. I had one that paid, I think it was less money for more hours, and then another one, less hours but more money. So I chose, I think, the less hours for more money. And then at the last second, they dumped me because they had the right to cancel the agreement at any time, as per the agreements I, I signed, a waiver, if you will. And... I was wondering, how could I pay a lawyer such as yourself to help me out or um, if I didn't even get hired yet and they're already ripping me off for number two, even if I worked for a couple of months or weeks, how could I afford to pay you? If And be all this fancy stuff about getting reinstated, uh, if, if I don't even have enough money to pay you, do you do contingency fee? How does yes. this work? Yeah, the vast majority of our cases, probably 90% are on contingency for the exact reason that you've just said. A lot of our clients, by definition, don't have money or have money issues because they lost their job, they're not working, or, or they've had something happen to their compensation. So it would be you know, very difficult for them to pay us you know, in advance. So yes, we do contingency. Now, for your matter, Fostel, the fact that they canceled the job doesn't mean you don't have entitlements. You absolutely do especially if you can show that you had another job lined up that you decided not to take because of their offer. So this is called a misrepresentation. They had, they represented to you that you had a job. Now they changed their mind. Because of that, you lost on, out on another job. So yes, they have to pay you damages. So please don't assume that just because you never work there, they don't owe you compensation. They absolutely owe you compensation. 
So if you want to give me a call off air, we'll be happy to have a chat and help you. And yes, 90% of our cases are on contingency. Fossil, appreciate the call. Going to move on. Here is that number. And, uh, you know, don't hesitate. Call Lior. Have a chat. 1-855-821-5900 is the way. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Back to the phones in the here and now. Uh, we got Gary? No. No. Okay, we'll try Gary. Hi, Gary. Yes, hello. How are you doing? Good, sir. What's going on? Well, I came to Toronto 2010. And worked at four different locations that uh, the pay was wrong. And I filed claims with Workers Action Center. And it took seven years, and I got one, finally got $2,000 out of the one employer. Four jobs in a row being shorted on the paychecks. In two locations, there was 50 employees. One of them doesn't pay overtime, and they're working 12 hours a day, six days a week. I left that job right away. After, yeah. yeah. So what's your question? Uh, been, uh, the, well, the question is, um, there's so many cases out there that aren't being properly treated with the labor board. Being uh, an employee of Workers Action Center, we have a huge amount of cases that we've tried to deal with. The reality is, if if you have a case that that has some complexity to to it and has some significant entitlements to it, going to the Ministry of Labor is not your option or best recourse because it's not just about – getting the Ministry of Labor to order the employer to pay you. It's about enforcing that order. And the Ministry of Labor is in the business of ordering stuff. Enforcing it, it's very difficult. That's why there's people like myself. That's why I have a team of 35 lawyers, because we can deal with matters in a much more effective, much faster, uh, much more aggressive way than the Ministry of Labor can. So that is probably the issue here. You know, those cases that you said, if you had talked to me, one of my team, or it doesn't have to be me, it could be another lawyer somewhere else, the result may have been different. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, it makes sense, but if people have the money to hire a lawyer, that's the problem, because a lot of these places are low-wage. Listen, Gary, as I was saying to, to our previous caller, at my firm, you know, 90% of our cases are on contingency for exactly this reason, right? Yeah. Because yeah. we don't we don't expect people to just be able to come up with thousands of dollars like that. You know, it it, it could be expensive. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's sure. how we do it. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, good luck to everybody out there. And uh... <laughs> thanks, Gary. Going to let you go and appreciate the appreciate the words. If you need to uh, hook up one other time, you uh, you know where to call. I want to get down to Glenn here. Glenn, I hope your connection survives this call. Good evening. How are you? Hi, good, thank you. Just taking my call. Sure, what's up? So, I'm a frontline healthcare worker, and I work for a hospital. And with this um, COVID and having all the schools closed, and my children being of elementary school age, um, I need to take time off to take care of them at home. And so I'd ask the employer for a leave, unpaid leave, to, to take uh, to take care of the kids. And I'm... And they keep coming back with the Reopening Ontario Act, and therefore you're helping a frontline healthcare worker, and you cannot take that. So that, right? So, Glenn, first question: Are you part of a union? Yes. 
So the, the union really is your, your recourse here. Your union is the only one that, number one, can advise you on your situation, and number two, to help you with it if there's something to be done. Generally speaking, yes, the government of Ontario has implemented special rules. Essentially what it means is that the laws that apply to other businesses are not going to apply to hospitals for a period of time because we need all frontline workers accessible and working. Uh, so so even if you weren't in a hospital, the answer would be very different. That said, the only one that can properly guide you in this situation is your union, and whatever the union ultimately says, that's the way it's going to have to be. Uh, so then you're essentially leaving your kids at home because you have to go to work as for your employees. I, I, I hear you. I'm not saying to you that this is right at all, uh, which is why there are some exceptions, including under human rights legislation, but you have to talk to your union and figure out which exception would apply to you in this situation. Glenn, appreciate your time. Safe travels, my friend. Tanya, how are you? Hi, Lior. I'm such a big fan of yours. And oh, thank you. And I'm actually calling uh, tonight because I have uh, been working for this company for six months. I'm a veterinary professional. Uh, I've been working for a, a private practice for six months, and I have been asked to go to the city of Toronto for a better job, better pay. Um, I My boss has... Uh, used me as a reference, a positive reference. Uh, he encouraged that. I, I asked him. He said yes. So I got the job, and now I have to give him notice. He pulled me into his office yesterday and said that I have a one-year contract with him. I reviewed the contract. It was just a basic contract for one year saying that I would be renewed in a year. He pulled me into his office and said that I owe him four weeks um, notice and that I have to replace myself, and it's up to me to replace myself. So I did review my contract last night, and there's nothing in there to stipulate that, and now I'm being bullied in my workplace. Uh, It's starting today. Well, you know, there's a simple way to make this all go away and resolve, and that is a, a, a letter or maybe even an email from me to your employer, because certainly the idea of replacing yourself or finding a replacement is utter nonsense. Now, there is an obligation at law to give some amount of notice. It's a very limited amount for employees unless you're in a very senior position. You know, a couple of weeks, etc. is not is not inconceivable at all, but it's your employer's job to figure out who's going to replace you. It doesn't matter if you signed a fixed-term contract. And obviously, it's unacceptable for you to be bullied, Tanya, no matter what. So you want this resolved, you want them to kind of back off, have me send them a letter saying, settle down, guys, and, and that should get this resolved. That, that's not appropriate at all, what they've told you. Okay, exactly. That's what I figured. So I just wanted to call. Okay. Thanks, awesome. Tanya. Thanks, Tanya. Appreciate that. And you probably know the number, but I'm going to give it to you one more time. one 821 5900 one 821 5900 Obey, good evening. How are you? Uh, I'm fine, thank you. So what happened at uh, beginning of March, uh, I wasn't feeling well. I had flu and uh, old and fever and all those stuff. So called in, uh, uh, I text my boss saying I'm not feeling well and I'll probably stay home until I get better. So anyway, so they, they tried to contact me a few times, but I didn't, I couldn't uh, answer the phone or email. And then two weeks later, uh, and then maybe a week later, I asked my uh, uncle to call them and let them know that 
I'm still feeling sick anyway. So about two weeks later, they sent me two letters. One is saying uh, my job is at risk of uh, abandoning. And then a few days later, they sent me another letter. And I tried to contact them, and uh, I was uh, unable. Uh, they, 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 they didn't uh, respond. So I don't know if there's any option. I mean, uh, for two weeks, I, 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 did, I was unable to, to respond to their email or phone call. Now, did you end up getting that letter that says that if you don't contact us, we'll say that you've abandoned your job? Did you get that letter? Oh, I got that letter, but I I got I opened that just at the same time when I got another letter. Right, right. I understand. And so they knew initially that you were sick. So the, when you got sick, you told them that you were sick, that that wasn't a surprise. They, they, they found out from you that you can't work because you're not feeling well. Yes. Okay, so that's not job abandonment at all. Listen, it's one thing if you go months without contacting them, but if you're sick, unable to work, you tell them that you're sick, and for, for a couple of weeks you're not in contact with them, that's not a big deal. If it's months and they try to get a hold of you for months and they don't hear back, uh, that could be abandonment. But otherwise, no, that's absolutely not. So what you describe, in fact, is a wrongful dismissal. It could even be potentially a human rights violation, Obey. So you need to give me a call. How long have you worked for this company? Uh, three and a half years. I am 32. I, uh, I am machine operator over there, and I also uh, was a seasonal team leader. And so, uh, and all like uh, for last one year, I was on uh, modified duty as well. So, yeah, there's a lot to discuss here. You easily are going to be owed four months, maybe even as much as five or six months. So, Obi, you need to give me a call off air as soon as possible. Okay, I will try to uh, call you tomorrow at your office. Perfect. Thanks, Obi. Appreciate that. one 821 Let's try to get uh, Wendy in here before we close it out. Hi, Wendy. Good evening. Hi, how are you? Good. What's on your mind? Um, I just wanted to know, I was actually um, let go from my job of almost 10 years um, back in May um, during the first lockdown. And um, I had someone that was working on it. And then he, I don't know what he did. Anyways, uh, I did reach out to the my employer and they came. Um, I had asked for a certain um, amount of weeks and they came lower. And I did accept it. I haven't signed anything as yet. And I just wanted to know, is it too late if I, like, um, is it too late? If you actually accepted, even if you haven't signed, but if you actually told your employer or your lawyer said, yes, I accept this is a deal, then, then it is too late, unfortunately. Oh. Even if you haven't signed yet, if, if the acceptance was clearly communicated, then unfortunately you, you, you're bound by it even without signing it yet. Oh, okay. All righty. Okay. Okay, thanks so much. Thanks, Wendy. Thank you, Wendy. Appreciate your time. Appreciate your call. Had a lot of stuff to get through tonight. Uh, we'll save it to another show the weekend or possibly next week. There's always room for you to uh, contact Lior. Even when we're not doing this hour of radio, I'll give you the uh, the contact information right now. one 821 You have help at employmentlawyer.ca. Simply employmentlawyer.ca. Type that into your uh, browser, and you'll get the uh, the website and contacts there and uh, pathways, anyway, to get to our television show. And then finally, we talk about it all the time, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Fantastic website. Check that one out. 
even before you contact Lior. And we'll catch you next time in the Employment Law Show. Stand by. Don't go anywhere. More On Point is on the way on Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio.